Come on, can we give it up for Jesus one more time in this place? I just want to know where the loud section is at. We got any loud folk in the house? I'm excited. I think I came to preach today. Uh, anybody ready for a word of God today? Uh, I want to share this message. We are in part two of our message series entitled Habits of Grace. Look at the person next to you. Tell them Habits of Grace. Habits of Grace. And our series verse is found in Titus chapter 2. Anybody happy with the person that they're sitting next to? I said, is anybody happy with the person that's sitting next to you? Just fake it till you make it. Come on, somebody. This was your opportunity. This is like, yes. I've been waiting all week to sit next to you. Um, anybody grateful for this amazing worship team? Powerful, powerful time in worship. That is only the beginning, really at the end of this message. The reason that we make the, the majority of our worship to come at the end of a message is because we really believe that worship is a response to who God is. And so when you hear God's word, we want you to respond to God's word in worship. Is that all right? Who's, getting, who's ready to worship after this message together? Come on. So I got to preach this message in about 40 minutes, and it's about 20 pages long. I don't know how I'm going to do this, Javier. Take your time. By the way, this is a loud church. I don't know if you've noticed. Sorry. It's a really loud church. And, um, and uh, we like to say amen here. We like to say, take your time, take your time. We like to say, go ahead, preacher. If you're Latino, you can say, dale, papi. All right, we're going to stop right there before it gets bad. All right, Titus chapter 2. It says, for God has revealed his grace for the salvation of all people. Can I tell you the reason that God has revealed his grace is not for the salvation of some people. For God has revealed his grace for the salvation. In other words, the intention of the grace of God is so that all people would come to salvation. Now watch this. That grace, someone shout that grace. That grace instructs us. It teaches us. It trains us. What does it train us to do? It trains us to give us, to give up ungodly lives. So that's the beauty of the grace of God, that the grace of God actually instructs us, it teaches us, it coaches us how to give up ungodly lives. See, the reason that maybe you feel like you haven't been able to give up an ungodly life is because you're trying to do it alone. But what if you allowed the grace of God to be your coach? What if you allowed the grace of God to instruct you and lead you? It instructs us to give up ungodly living and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this world. What we've been talking about is that the same grace that saves you is a grace that sanctifies you. That the grace of God redeems you, but it also transforms your heart. That the kind of grace that God has given us is a grace that is not just to save you from your mess, 
It's to sanctify you and make you more like Jesus. It's not a grace that we just possess and a grace that we profess. It's a grace that we practice. I made that rhyme. Come on, somebody. I I worked on that. I was bars, hashtag bars. Come on, somebody. I I bet you the people you play in the morning for can't rap like that. I'm just, anyway. It's terrible, terrible joke. Forgive me, Lord. I'm so sorry. Second Timothy, chapter three, verse 15. It's gonna lead us to our second habit. Someone shout second habit. Our second habit is studying God's word. Oh, this is going to radically refresh and revitalize our lives. Last week we spoke about prayer. This week we are going to speak about studying God's word and how studying God's word, watch this, it prepares you for the thing that God placed you on earth for. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 15 and 17, it says, You have been taught the holy scriptures from, a ch- from childhood. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. So, so what is the purpose of the scriptures? The purpose of the scriptures is so that you will receive a kind of wisdom. And so the kind of wisdom that you're going to receive is a wisdom that allows you to receive the salvation of God that comes through trusting in Jesus. So the kind of wisdom that God's word reveals to us, he says, Timothy, I want to tell you, it's, it's a wisdom that reveals to you Jesus. But then it continues. Verse 16, it says, all scripture is inspired by God. In other words, that that in the literal translation, it means it is breathed by God. Do you know what brought man to life in the garden? It was the ruach. It was the breath of God. In other words, this written word of God is in writing with the sustenance that was placed and given to you to bring you to life. That was a good, you guys missed a good time to say amen right there. I'm going to let it slide. Don't let it happen again. All right. All scripture is, it is inspired by God, breathed by God, and it is useful. See, it brings the wisdom that gives you salvation, but it's also useful. It teaches us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, the word of God, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I don't know about you, but I'm done trying to do things without being equipped with the right tool. God uses the story of Jesus to equip you so that you can walk in your own story. God's word is not just a book that is trying to prohibit you from the things you can't do. It's a book that is getting ready to prepare you for all that God has called you to do. If you believe that in this place, give God a shout of praise. I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank for these precious few moments that we have together, Lord God. I pray that you speak to your children today. I pray that you speak to your people, Lord God. Lord, I don't want to just share this message that'll be people walk out of here be like, that's an awesome message. Oh, what was it about? I don't know, but it was awesome. 
Lord, I want this message to be a message that transforms the soul, Lord God. So I can't do that with words or my articulation. Only you can do that through the divine power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that we didn't just come here to be entertained or come here just to like kind of like check something off in our religious box, God. No, we don't want we don't want to leave this place without you speaking to us. So we say, speak to us today, Lord. Speak to us, God. Speak to us with the language that our soul understands best. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Give God a shout of praise. Oh, misunderstandings. 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 Oh, my misunderstandings, misunderstandings. Oh, my misunderstandings. Have you ever been misunderstood? Woo! That section is traumatized. Have you ever been, how about even worse, have you ever been not only misunderstood, but mis, like someone misinterpreted? your intentions uh, I know this is the time that you think that I'm going to come and insert a Lisa story but I'll have you know Lisa's not the only thing going on in my life I got plenty of stories that I could share alright how many, how many were blessed for our Easter weekend man we had an amazing Easter weekend I don't know if we have the numbers but let me just give a quick shout out for our Easter weekend by the way for our generosity Sunday so far what we've raised is $14,000 for our generosity Sunday for $4,000 $4,000 for our building fund come on somebody again we're gonna do this little by little um, not only that, but we also thank God I know these numbers by memory come on somebody we also reach 800 people for our Easter egg hunt. Can we, can we praise God for that? Not only that, we fed 475 people for our Easter weekend. And on our Easter Sunday, we were able to bring in 119 people for our Easter service. Could we praise God for our Easter campaign? Now, now here, here's why I'm bringing that up. Because on Easter weekend, before that, we had a, a, a couple of groups that went out and we were distributing flyers. And so that's what we do. We gather a couple of people and then we said, hey, we're going to go out and we're going to distribute flyers. And, and we were, I'm telling you, we were on mission. So what we would do is that we would go, we would knock on somebody else's, on somebody, somebody's house, say, hello, knock, knock, who's there? Kuhau. Kuhau who? Kuhau. I was going to make a joke, but I didn't think about it fast enough. Okay. So, so. So, so, so we're not going to door, and then if no one answers the door, we would offer prayer ori originally if they answered the door. But if no one answered the door, what we would do is that we would take the flyer and we would slip it in right there through the door, nice and slug. Come on, somebody. If you were there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Boom. You might be here because you found one in the snuggy part of your door. So we're going out in, in, in one of those. I love Lucas because Lucas is on mission. That, that's what we were. We were kind of like a little bit of an army. We were going out on mission. And I love Lucas's uh, approach. He'd be like, here, we having an Easter egg hunt. Bring your kid. Come on. <laughs> if that ain't an eight, I don't know what an eight on the Enneagram is. <laughs> but, but, but we went into this building. And I know it's unsolicited, but, but crucify me for the gospel. I'm just... <laughs> 
And so we went into a building and, and we're saying, hey, you're going to take the second floor. You're going to take the first floor. Hey, me and Emily are going to take the second floor. You take the third floor. You take the fourth floor. And we're on mission. And so we just began to knock on doors and offer prayer. And if you opened the door, you got prayer. If you didn't open the door, uh, we would take that flyer. And so in one of those occasions, we knocked on the door. And I just... Nobody answers the door. So I ring the bell. Ding dong. Nobody, ring, nobody answers the door. So then I take... The flyer. And when I do that, a man opens. This is a true story. I'm not making this up. A man opens the door. He says, you trying to break into my house? Yo, why are you reaching for my door? Now, immediately I have to assess this situation and realize that I'm with Emily by myself. So that means I have no protection. And I looked at the man and I said, sir, um... No, I'm actually, I'm actually here to give you a flyer. And, and that's when I think that he's going to be like, oh, okay, I, you're here to give me a flyer and an invitation. I'm just like, yeah, I'm here to invite you for Easter. You know, he doesn't say that. You know what he says? And just, just pastor, right? The pastor of the church that goes to invite someone gets confronted by a, gay, by a guy with a tight shirt, muscular kind of looking dude. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. We're about to fight. This guy doesn't say any of that. He doesn't say, hey, I'm going to come to your church. Oh, thank you for the invite. No, you know what he says? No, you weren't. You were trying to open the door. You know what I realized? That this man completely misunderstood and misinterpreted my actions. He completely misunderstood and misread the reason for, my, for me being there. See, I was there to give him an invitation. He thought I was there to try to open his door. And this is the thought that I had. Maybe... He had a different experience in the past with people approaching his door. And that's why he misinterpreted my intentions. What in the world does this have to do with today's message? You see, I think throughout the years, many people have misinterpreted and misunderstood the intentions of this book. You see, it's like people can often look at this book as a rule book that is trying to run our lives. And many times we then project that on the God that we serve. Oftentimes we think that this is just an inspirational book, a motivational book that we read just in the mornings to get us pumped. Sometimes we approach this book as if the intentions of this book is to be a book that's filled with sacred rituals just to assist our religious upkeeping. Sometimes we think this book is a book that is intention is to be a spiritual dictionary just to answer all of life's difficult questions. But what I'm saying to you is this, that we could be missing out on the very intention that God has given us this book. And this is just as apparent today as it was in the day of Jesus. Jesus is like, hey, I need you to know something. You are misinterpreting and misunderstanding the intentions of this book. He says it in John chapter 5 to the Pharisees. He says, hey, I want to tell you something. You have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. These scriptures are about me. These scriptures about, and here I am standing right in front of you, before you, and you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. You know what I'm saying? He says, hey, you listen to me. I know what you're looking for. You're looking for eternal life. You have your head in the scriptures, and you think that 
the intention of the scriptures is to, is to give you eternal life. What you don't realize is that the intention of the scriptures is to lead you to the only one that can give you eternal life. He says, we could change the variable. Hey, you're going into the scriptures because you think that reading the scriptures is going to make you righteous. But what you don't understand is that the intention of the scriptures is not to make you righteous. The intention of the scriptures is to lead you to the only one that can make you righteous. You think they're going to make you holy, but what the scriptures do is that they lead you to the only one that can make you holy. Don't you see you're looking for eternal life? I am eternal life. I am the way. I am the truth. You're looking for truth? Look no further. The scriptures will lead you to the only truth there is. That is the person of Jesus. Come on, if you know exactly what I'm talking about, give God a praise in this place. You've totally misunderstood the intentions of this book. See, the Bible's intention, church, is to lead us to encounter and discover the person of Jesus. The intentions of the scripture is to lead us to Jesus, but watch this. It leads us to Jesus and it leads us to learn how to be led by Jesus. But it also leads us to learn how to be led by the spirit of Jesus with the intention that we would become more and more like Jesus. See, it leads us to Jesus, but in leading us to Jesus, it leads us to learn how to be led by the Spirit of Jesus. And in turn, being led by the Spirit of Jesus, we become more and more like who God says we are. You know what the point of the Scriptures is? To lead you to Jesus. And when you find Jesus, you find your mission in Christ. You find your purpose in Christ. You find your calling in Christ. You find everything that God has placed you on this earth for in Christ. If you believe that, give God a shout. Make some noise in this place. So 2 Timothy tells us, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, Timothy. You've been taught, and here's the intention, they have given you the wisdom to receive salvation. I, I think that it's important to read verse 15 because I think verse, verse 16 is very popular. And oftentimes, verse 16 is used as if the scriptures is the end all. But verse 15 tells us that the intention is really to teach you how to trust Jesus so that you would encounter salvation. And now it says, but then it's also useful beyond that. It says, all the scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So God's word leads us to trust in Jesus and then it teaches us how to walk in him, through him, by him, so that we can then become equipped to do all that he's called us to do. And my friends, there are so many ways that the Bible begins to equip you to become more like Jesus. The Bible equips us for success. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, meditate on the word day and night and all your ways will be prosperous and successful. It equips us against sin. I have hidden your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. It equips us to be wise. Your word makes the wise, make, makes me wiser than my 
enemy, Psalms 119, verse 8. The word of God, it equips us. Now, I've used the wrong, I've been equipped with the wrong tools. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever tried to turn or unscrew a flathead screw with a butter knife? You ain't a man if you ain't never used a butter knife. See, see, I was trying to get something done, but I was using the wrong tool. See, I was trying to achieve something, but I was using the wrong tool. And so what God does, he says, hey, listen, I'm not just going to call you to do something. I'm going to equip you to do it. And oftentimes it's that we use substitutes to try to get done what God has called us to get done on our own power, with our own strength, with our own merit and our own tools, trying to get the job done. When God is saying, no, I've given you my word to equip you to be successful. I've given you my word to equip you to be generous and forgiving and loving. I've given you I've given you the right tool. And so there's so many ways that the Bible teaches us and the Bible in many ways equips us. But what I love about the Bible is that the Bible uses this illustrative language. And the scriptures will speak about itself and it, say, it says, hey, hey, I'm, the Bible is like this. And what I did is I compiled three areas where the Bible talks about itself and it says, hey, the Bible is like this. And here's the first one. Write this down. God's word is a lamp. Someone shout lamp. Psalms chapter 119, verse 105. Look what it says. It says, your word is a lamp that guides my steps and a light that shows, my, shows the path that I should take. What, is, what does God's word do? It is, a, it is a lamp. Have you ever tried to walk in the dark? Come on, come on, you know exactly what I'm talking Lisa be like, Lisa be like, why you always walk? Why you always turn on the lights in the middle of the night? Because I'm like, I like to see where I'm going. Come on, somebody. She's like, no, you're just scared. I'm like, I'm not scared. I just like to see where I'm going. I like, I just like to see. I promise you the other day, the other day she was, she, we're, I'm like this, holding up, cuddle up with her, like the flyer in the door. That was funny. That was, that was funny. And she goes, and I said, what happened? She goes, you didn't hear that? I was like, here we go again. She goes, yeah, someone's trying to open the screen door on the outside of our door. I'm like, you know what the opening of a screen door sounds like in the middle of a room on the outside? So what I do, I get up and I turn on all the lights. Why? Because I want to know where I'm going. Come on, somebody. I want to know where I'm going. And, and there's so many ways that we can talk about a light. And how God's word operates like a light. The word picture that is being used here is that there is a path of darkness that oftentimes we walk in. And we won't be able to see where we're going because we don't have the light turned on. And what the psalmist is saying here, there's something about God's word in your life that acts like a lamp and begins to show you things that you can't see outside of it being turned on. There's something about studying the word of God that lights up your path that allows you to see where you're going. And, and, I, and I began to ask the Lord, Lord, I know that there's 
there's, there's something about a lamp that lights up and I could speak and preach about how the light is lit and, and how could it shine in the middle of your darkness. But I, I really felt like the Holy Spirit wanted to focus in this area. And he said to me, you see, when you can't see where you're going, you're bound to get hurt. Have you ever stubbed your toe in the middle of the dark? Wake up in the middle of the night and you stub that toe. And let me tell you, that pain, I think a man stubbing his toe is the equivalent of a woman. No, I'm just, that's. See, but when you can't see where you're going, you're bound to get hurt. When you can't see where you're going, you're bound to get hurt. See, see, I wonder, I wonder if it wasn't rejection. I wonder if it was that you couldn't see where you were going, so you ended up on the path that took you to the space where rejection dwells. See, I, see, I wonder if it, if it wasn't that you were in depression. See, I wonder if it's because you've been walking in the dark for far too long and ended up stubbing your toe, and in stubbing your toe, you ended up in a place where depression reigns rampant. See, now nobody wakes up and says, I'm going to be addicted today. No, 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 no. Nobody wakes up and says, oh, man, I can't wait to be addicted to porn. But I wonder if it's not that you just ended up being addicted to porn. I wonder if it's because you couldn't see where you were going. And there was nothing to guide you and lead you. And you couldn't see your way. And because you couldn't see your way, you ended up in a place where addiction is running free. See, I wonder if it's not that you settled or you're just complacent. I wonder if it's just that you allowed yourself to be guided in the middle of the dark and you took the path that led you to a place where you are fear, fearful of success and you have adopted complacency. See, God's word, the psalmist says that God's word acts like this lamp to you. That God is saying, hey, when you begin to study my word, it's like you turning on the light before your path because you can have sight. But if you're in the middle of the dark, sight is of no value to you. See, but when you turn on the light, see, now the sight that God has given you becomes useful. And oftentimes we are trying to use our own vision, but we haven't turned on the light of God's word so that we can see clearly everything that he has for us. And what God is saying to you today, he's saying, listen, you don't have to keep going down the wrong road. Let my the lamp of my word be turned on in your life. You don't have to keep struggling with indecisiveness and going down the wrong path of self sabotage and self-destruction let my word be a lamp before your feet and a light unto your path I don't know who's here today that you're in the middle of a crossroad and I really believe the Holy Spirit is telling someone my son and my daughter you don't got to keep making the wrong turns anymore you don't got to keep going down that my that path let the light of my word shine in your life I'll be speaking to you and when you begin to hear the voice of God it can look like it's dark but you still got clear vision it could look like it's all dawning, but guess what? You got a clear vision. Why? Because the lamp of his word is shining down your path. See, it's not, it's the word of God that lights up our path. It, it acts like a lamp, 
But it also, watch this, the Bible says that the word is a sword. The word is a sword. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. It says, this is the last thing I want to say. Be strong with the Lord's strength. Put on the things God gives you to fight. Then you will not fall in the traps of the devil. This is for somebody I think prophetically. Our fight is not with people. Don't you wish sometimes that our fight was with people? Our fight is not with people. It's against the leaders and powers of the spirit of, of the spirits of darkness into this world. It is against the demon world that works in the heavens. Because of this, put on the things God gives you to fight with. Then you will be able to stand in that sinful day. When it, when it is all over, you will still be standing. So stand up and do not be moved. Wear a belt of truth around your body. Wear, wear a piece of iron over your chest, which is being right with God, righteousness. Verse 15, wear shoes on your feet, which are the good news of peace. Most important of all, you need, to, you need the covering of faith in front of you. This is to put out the fiery arrows of people. Nope, the fiery arrows of the devil. Your problem is not Devin or Donovan, it's the devil. Your problem is not Sam or Sanchez, it's Satan. The covering of your head is that you have been saved from the punishment of sin. Take the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Also, the word of God acts like a sword. And if I'm if I'm in need of a sword, it's because I'm in a battle. And here's here, here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, hey, 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 let me tell you something. Your fight is not with people. People are not your enemy. And you will always be in the wrong battle if you can't identify the proper enemy. Whew. Paul is like, um, let me tell you something. Let me tell you who's not your enemy because for some reason God's people keep thinking that people are their enemy. And if you think people are your enemy, then you're engaging in the wrong battle. And if you're engaging in the wrong battle, you're going to think you need a set of weapons that are obsolete in the kingdom of God. <sighs> this is a spiritual battle with a spiritual enemy. And if you don't identify who the true enemy is, you'll always use carnal weapons instead of picking up the sword of the spirit and trust me I know that it is much easy, easier to preach than to practice oh it is not easy to practice picking up the sword of the spirit when someone's getting in your face and saying that you're trying to rob them and open up their door but the apostle Paul is saying like hey hey listen I know that they are using worldly, fleshly, carnal weapons against you. But you can't retaliate using the same kind of ammunition they have. Yeah. 
He says, you need to go beyond that and pick up the sword of the spirit. Because here's what the enemy does. The enemy will substitute himself with someone that he's already kind of convinced and, and just influence someone else so that you can be distracted with them and leave him alone. The Apostle Paul is saying, hey, listen, you need to learn how to use the sword of the spirit, because oftentimes you need, you, you're trying to you're trying to wage a war through earthly means. And here's the, pro- here's the problem that oftentimes because of what life has done and what the, the life experiences that we've had, we've become good at sharpening earthly and fleshly and carnal weapons. Come on, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You've been spending years sharpening up that sword. And so because I don't know how to use this sword, I, go, I revert back to the only sword I know how to use, which is the sword of the flesh. Come on. Come on. You know how much I wanted to? You know what I'm saying? You know how much I wanted to be like my man? If I wanted to break in your house, I would have. And nobody was going to stop me. Right? So, so Paul says, hey, you can't overcome fleshly fleshly weapons using fleshly means. See, you cannot overcome, you cannot overcome hate with hate. See, you need to pick up the spirit of God's word, the sword of God's word to discover what true love is like to overcome that battle. See, you cannot battle, you cannot, you, you cannot wage war against Uh, um, uh, against anxiety with anxiety. You need to pick up the sword of the spirit so that you can discover that there is peace and there's shalom so that you can overcome that. You cannot overcome selfishness with selfishness when someone is being greedy, when someone's being selfish towards you. You cannot overcome that with selfishness. You can only overcome that with the spirit that God shows you through generosity that's found in his word. You cannot overcome sin with sin. That's why Jesus Christ had to come, become human flesh, take on a human, a, a human, a human flesh so that he can die on the cross and, and sever sin. But it wasn't sin against sin. It was grace against sin. And if you know anything about grace, that grace wraps around sin over and over and over again, because where sin abound, grace much more abound. If you believe that in this place, give God a shout. Come on, make some noise in this place. He says, pick up. Pick up the sword of the spirit. Every time that the enemy approached Jesus, you know what he said? He said, the word says. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know it's a lot easier said than done. But I wonder what it would look like if there there was a tribe of people that every time the enemy tried to rise up against you, you didn't see the person. See, what I saw was, a, I one time saw this uh, picture of someone, uh, a ventriloquist, and he had a puppet, and he was messing with a kid, and the kid was beating up the puppet because the puppet was messing with him. See, the puppet wasn't doing anything but being used. And the kid was attacking the puppet. You know that that's, some, that's how we look like Sometimes. That in a vulnerable moment or in a moment of weakness, the enemy will influence someone else, get you all triggered, and now he has influence over you because you gave into his temptation of getting angry, his temptation of getting worried, his temptation of losing your peace, his temptation of not using the word of God. 
I wonder what it would look like if the next time someone cut you off. <laughs> I wonder what it would look like if the next time someone cut you off instead of you responding with carnal means again there's no judgment here i'm just letting you know that god has given you weapons here the next time someone cut you off uh, or you, you didn't respond in the flesh you said the word says that i will keep my peace at all times you've given me peace at all times and in every situation i wonder if the next time they spoke about you they they smeared your name they said you wouldn't become nothing they said that they said all oh, i know they gossiped about me i know but god's word says that he's given me wisdom that is great than the wisdom of my enemies. I wonder what it would look like if we responded. And watch this. Oh, this is so good. It says it's a double-edged sword. See, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. This is a double-edged sword. Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter 4. It says a double-edged sword. It judges the thoughts and the feelings in our hearts. So the word of God Helps you conquer the enemy on a practical level, meaning the enemy, not, you not giving into your temptations. But watch this, watch this. It also heals the enemy within. And when you heal the enemy, it becomes, he becomes your friend. That's, that's, that's the equivalent of letting it marinate. That's what it looks like in my head. He said, do it again. Watch it now. My wife is right there. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry, baby. I didn't mean to tempt Isaiah. So it, it not only conquers the enemy on the outside of you, it conquers the enemy inside of you. See, see often I was self-sabotaging and I was making an enemy out of my wife. You know why? Because the enemy in me that was sabotaging me, you know what that is? It's your wounds. It's your triggers. Come on. We all have them. And I remember there was a time in 2016 when Lisa were at the end of our relationship. It was over. I was D-O-N-E with her. Done. I'm glad I could help you. Spell that out. I was, it was absolutely over between Lisa and I. We had already made arrangements. She says, you're going to give me child support? I said, we don't got no kids. <laughs> she said, we got the church. I said, we'll figure it out. I don't know if that works in the court, but we were absolutely over. And you know why? Because I had this, this thing of respect, not realizing that there was a, young little boy who was violated and disrespected at 11 years old. And all I was trying to do was to defend his honor. But in defending his honor, he never got healed. Because I became the strong man and the stronghold trying to protect a little boy that needed healing and not so much protection. See, nothing came in and nothing went out. There was a moment of counseling where they realized, hey, hey, why is it that you have this desire for respect so much? I said, there's nothing wrong. I want, I want to respect. She's disrespectful. She's disrespectful. I want to respect. They don't, nobody believes that about you, Lisa. No, not one person. 
Javi, if you could come up, Hav. Watch this. In a moment, I let God's word, in a moment, watch this. Because this is not just empty words. This is, the Bible says that this word is word and spirit. So when you're reading it, you might not even know what it says intellectually, but your spirit does. Watch this. Watch this. So you begin to internalize this, and in a moment she says, why do you need, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to give you his word. Show, 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 show. And I saw a moment that my father called me stupid at 11 years old. And he said, that's when you made the inner vow that no one will disrespect you. Can I tell you what happened? The Holy Spirit healed me. His word was not a sword. Watch this. His word was not a sword to hurt you. It was a scalpel to heal you. I'm tired of crying up here, man. Because he healed me, Lisa wasn't my enemy anymore. I could look at people and they're not my enemy anymore. And it's not easy. Somebody asked me the other day, well, how do you keep going? I said, just people are not my enemy. And I get it. I go through the same motions you do. And sometimes I get it wrong. But he's given us a sword so that we can declare God's word and his intention. And when you do that, you're defending the enemy from having the upper hand in your life and you're defending your own heart from self-sabotage. The last thing that the Bible says that the word is, it says God's word is a rock. Pretty dangerous me carrying this like this, but I'm a stunt man. God's word is a rock. That's crazy. It's a lamp until my feet. It guides me. It's a sword that defends me. And it's a rock that I can build my life on. Watch this. Matthew chapter 7. Every one then who hears these words of mine, when you hear the word of God and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the, everybody shout, the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came. The winds blew and it beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the, the rock. Continue. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, does not listen to them, does not put them into practice. Watch what it says. It says, it's like a man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat against the house and it fell and a great and great was its fall. 
I love this because Jesus does not demonize the sand. Jesus is not saying, hey, stay away from the sand. The sand is not good for you. The sand is bad for you. You can't even go to the beach because the sand is so bad. Come on, somebody. No, he's saying the sand is beautiful. Sand is amazing. It just serves as a poor foundation for you to build on. He doesn't demonize the sand. He says, you just can't build your foundation on it. You can't use it as a foundation. And oftentimes we can change the variable, right? So it's not that money is bad. It's only when you use money to build your identity on. It's not that fame is bad. It's not that fortune is bad. It's only when you use it as the material by which you will build a foundation on. And what Jesus is saying, he said, listen, your feelings are not bad. They're just a poor foundation for you to build your faith on. Pastor Marquez, success ain't bad. Prestige ain't bad. Goals ain't bad. There's nothing wrong with that sand. The problem is when we make it these things, what we build our life on. Worship team, please come up. Here's what happens. Is that when you are building these two houses, everything looks the same. Listen to me. I could imagine two of these men, these contractors, they build, they're starting to build the house. And one of them is building on a rock. It's right here. And one of them is building on the sand. And here's the truth. When that is edified, when those buildings are edified, they look the same. The only time that they look different is when they're going through a storm. The only time they look different is when they're going through a storm. So, so, so what if we took God's word to build our life on? It'll serve you as a lamp. It'll serve you as a sword, but it'll begin to serve you as the material that you need to have a solid foundation. And so many of us, we're wondering why our relationships are not working. Can it be? that it has been built upon feelings. It has been built upon your past. It has been built upon your failures. It has been built upon your desires and your goals and your ambition. But what, and that's why you feel a little shaky. Ah oh, man, it just feels like I can't get my foot in. It feels like I can't. But what if you begin, watch it, God's word is so powerful that it turned a storm of raging winds as asphalt for Peter to walk on. That's how, see, Peter wasn't walking on the water. He was walking on God's word. And sometimes that's what it looks like when you're walking in the middle of a storm. When you're walking in the middle of a storm, it looks like, oh, this looks shaky. But guess what? Every single step you take is on his word. Every single step you take is on his word. And it may not make sense at all times. But listen, he called me. And if he called me, even if I tripped up, he picked me up. He picks me up because it's his word. So imagine what it would look like if someone was going through a storm. And people look at you and they were like, wait, you're going, you're going through that divorce? 
Why isn't your life collapsing? Oh, because I'm, I'm built on a solid foundation. Oh, you, you're going through that failure? Why is it that you haven't lost your mind? Oh, it's because I built my life on a solid foundation. I love what Lisa tells me. I tell her, you can't live without me. You know what, said? You know what she says? First of all, she says, I'm a child of God, and if I can live out with my mom, I can live without you. Come on, somebody. If, if there's one thing, I, sometimes I, we wrestle and I say, I say, say I'm your king. She goes, Jesus is my king. You know what I admire about you? Payback. I admire that I know for sure that your life is built on the solid rock of Jesus. Why haven't you lost your mind? Because my life is built on the solid foundation of God's word. Sometimes I look at our church and I'm like, God, help. Because haven't I given you my word? As long as you're building it on that, that's all that matters. That's what Jesus did. Jesus said, this world was full of darkness. In one of the darkest times of a woman's life, caught in the act of adultery, Jesus sets us free, set her free. And he goes, I am the light of the world. You know what light looks like? Jesus forgiving someone who was already condemned and setting them free. He says, I've become the thing that you need in your life. Your life was full of darkness. Jesus became the word and he lived it out because he became the light of the world. When Jesus was in Gethsemane, they came looking for him. Judas came looking for him with a bunch of the officials of that time. And they said, who are you looking for? He says, I am he who you are looking for. Leave these men alone. You know what Jesus just became? He became the sword of the spirit that defended his disciples. You know what Peter says about Jesus? That he is the chief corner stone that we can build our life on. Is there anybody here today that is willing to say, okay, I'm done setting my life on a shaky, fickle, phony foundation. All those things are okay and good, but what I need to set my life on, what I need to build my life on is the word of God. Even when it doesn't make sense, I'm going to keep on walking. Even when it doesn't comprehend in human intellect, I'm going to keep on walking. Even when my feelings don't add up, I'm going to keep on walking. If you're going to keep on walking in this place, get up on your feet and give God a shout of praise in this room. Come on, shout. Yeah.